Welcome to Tech Talk Live, a resource produced by Vision Forward. Low vision and blindness technology, tips, tricks, and information presented in a way that makes sense. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Luke. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody back to Tech Talk Live. My name is Luke, and I am joined here today by... Oh, that's me. Hi, I'm hey. Corey Ballard. <laughs> <laughs> I am joined by Corey Ballard. Now, we are in different and separate locations today. I am yeah. coming up to you live from uh, my house. And Corey, where are you today? It looks like a very interesting place. I know. I want. I wish this was my house. I think from, <laughs> from what I'm told, it looks pretty... It looks like I'm actually pretty much sitting in this very futuristic home, but I'm not. I'm at Vision Forward. It is the power of the green screen. Indeed it is, yes, but it does look like a very nice uh, house that we found for you to be in there today. <laughs> and I uh, hope everybody else is in a very nice location for today's Tech Talk. It is January the 20th, believe it or not. Time is flying, as it always does. And um, for those um, for those uh, day of the week fans out there, it is uh, a Thursday. So, Which um, is really the best day, if you think about it. I mean, it's a great day. It's just before Friday. It, Friday is the start of the weekend. It's you know, some people line. say that Thursday is the official start of the weekend. So, <laughs> That is true. Yes, indeed. But, that uh, it was in college. Thursday night was the night. That yeah, well, I thought up. actually in college, every night was the night. Well, that, but... <laughs> is that, is, that is very true. <laughs> well, I hope everybody is having a lovely Thursday anyway and looking forward to the weekend. And today we have a very exciting show because it's the first part of our two-part um, series, which is going to be all about smart homes. Now, luckily for us, Corey himself is a big smart home proponent, and uh, he has kitted his house out with all sorts of exciting gadgets. Uh, which we're going to be taking a look at today in the first part. But uh, next time, in two weeks' time, we're actually going to be going live to Corey's house. This will be our first Tech Talk Live <laughs> on location. Yeah, we'll see how um, it goes. Yeah, so we're quite excited about uh, about that. And uh, we'll actually be taking a look at some of the stuff that we're talking about today in action in Corey's house. So definitely make sure if you enjoy today's episode to tune in in two weeks time when we uh, when we follow up with that. But um, anyway, with that being said, Corey, how are you doing today? You're having a nice time there at Vision Forward? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Got a little bit of a stuffy nose, but uh, not too bad. It just just a stuffy nose. So not too, too bad. Yeah, no. And it is it is the season for the uh, for cold. Unfortunately, um, yes. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to today's show. But before we jump in and get started with that, we should probably uh, see if we have any jokes today. Yeah, um, I want to. While, while you're pulling that up, I just want to remind everyone: go, please use the chat. Um, any of your questions or jokes, throw them in there. Luke will be monitoring the chat, so throughout our session, we can answer those questions. And I also wanted to thank uh, all of those who re-registered for Tech Talk Live. I don't know what, some, something goofy happened on the Zoom side of things. And we realized it last uh, week or so ago. And we, uh, we appreciate those who uh, jumped back in and, and re-registered to join us today. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you very much indeed. And as Corey says, feel free to put anything in the chat. We do appreciate uh, jokes, of course. And uh, also any comments as we go along about the things that we're going to be talking about. And uh, don't worry, this show is platform agnostic. So we will be covering various different smart home platforms. Um, so uh, if you uh, are an Android 
um, user or an Apple user, or if you're inclined toward the Amazon uh, side of things, I think Corey will be covering all of those. I hope he is now, otherwise I'll just promise something that uh, we can't deliver. Right, let's go back to the drawing board here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so we should be covering uh, many different things there. Uh, all right, but with that being said, let's see what our joke of the week is now. Yeah, do, we, do we have one? Yeah, and sadly nobody has put a joke in the chat yet. Oh, come on, we, did, this is the, we didn't prepare. No, no, we did. I do have a joke. I oh, do good. have a joke, hopefully. I, um, I, uh, I knew I could rely on you. I know. Well, I've always got one close at hand, you know. Uh, got, you've <laughs> got to entertain, entertain the people. My joke for today, and honestly, uh, people may have heard this one before, but the joke for today is, what sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? All right. One, one, whole, so what we did get a joke in the chat because it was read out to me. But anyways, can you repeat yours? Because it both came through. Yeah. So my joke was what sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? If anybody what knows the answer, the feel free to put it in the chat. Twitches. What sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? Could be a mermaid with epilepsy, maybe? Uh, twitches. I don't know. I don't, I don't have something. The answer is... A nervous wreck. Oh, there you go. We get a, do, we, do we get a sound effect? Oh, yeah. Hold on. I forgot. I got so much stuff. This one is this button I know for sure. <laughs> I feel like that was unwarranted, but uh, never mind. Uh, we do have some jokes in the chat here. Thank yeah, you. I saw a couple come through. Indeed. We have one from somebody who I believe is called Doyle. I think that's what I can That's see. D, yep. Uh, okay, excellent. So the joke is. If you get cold this weekend, go stand in a corner. Why? Because it's 90 degrees there. <laughs> a little math humor for you today. Um, you that's a good joke. Yeah, Although I would, I would want to get my square out just to confirm that that is correct. Kenneth yeah. here. Why shouldn't you write with a broken pencil? I don't know why. Because it's pointless. Nice. Hey. We got one other one coming. What? I, what I, I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing the sound effects here, though, Corey. I've got oh, to say. yeah. Jesus. You know <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey. You got to remind me. Here we go. All right. All right. We have, we have one more. Let's do one more here. Okay. Which I actually think that we might have done this one ourselves on the show before. So yeah, for, uh, for long-time listeners, you may know the answer to this one already. But uh, Ab uh, Abby says, why couldn't the pony sing? Because she was a little horse. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Making up for all the other ones I missed. That was a, a historic first <laughs> triple uh, yeah. bottom cheer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, impressive. Hi Very triple hi-hat for you. I know, yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you, everybody, for the jokes. Uh, we, we, we enjoyed them thoroughly, as usual. So, smart homes, then. Well, yeah, smart homes. Now, I hear it told, Corey, that a smart home is only as smart as the person controlling it. What is, have you to say about this? That is absolutely correct. Just like okay. a computer is only as smart as the, as the person who programmed it. Now, with that being said, Corey, do you have a smart home? No, I have a... I have a home that is is slightly smart <laughs> most of the time. It, 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 a lot of the times it does the right thing. 
Okay. Well, that but it also fair. makes <laughs> bad decisions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, yes, yeah, smart homes. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about smart homes today. Now, this is quite an interesting topic in general because um, obviously smart technology is, you know, is a big, uh, a big thing. And smartphones and, uh, you know, smart tablets and things like that are very common these days. Uh, but how about a smart home? Now, I'm sure many people are aware of the uh, the science fiction movie about the, the smart home that comes alive and, um, yeah, sure. you know, isn't very nice. But, um, you know, we haven't got to that point yet. At the moment, smart homes are, for the most part, doing what you tell them to do. And they can be very useful. I mean, uh, if you think about appliances these days, uh, there can be issues when it comes to people with visual impairments because a lot of appliances are going down the uh, the the kind of uh, touchscreen route, mm-hmm. including the uh, the oven that Corey bought recently, mm-hmm. and that can uh, make them somewhat difficult to operate. And so, you know, if you've got a smart home, then at that point, you can either operate it via an app or via voice control. And hopefully that will give you a bit more access to some of these more modern appliances. Um, So there's a lot of potential there for people with vision impairment, but also obviously in terms of other disabilities as well. I mean, if you have some form of physical impairment, um, Mm -hmm. the ability to control things using your voice might be very useful indeed. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of potential benefits to smart homes, but um, you also need to consider a lot of different things, including, of course, what it is that you want to be able to control, uh, the platform that you want to use to uh, you know, control those things, and then actually purchasing the, you know, the necessary uh, bits and pieces that will make uh, all of that stuff accessible. So luckily for us, we do have an expert because Corey is, uh, as we said before, a big smart home advocate. And uh, he has uh, kitted his house out. In fact, uh, this is not the only house that he's kitted out. His previous house also was kitted out in a bunch of different smart home um, features. And so, uh, Corey, why don't you tell us a bit about what you've got with you and how it works and what it does? Yeah. So, you know, when it came to, for me, when I, when, when it, when I started looking at smart home technology, for me, it was really two things that I wanted to solve with a smart home. Uh, first was accessibility. I wanted to make it easier for me to access things around my house if it was, as Luke mentioned, an, an appliance or a thermostat or whatever it might be. I wanted to increase my access or accessibility to my home. The second thing I wanted was uh, convenience. And that's really kind of the big thing for mainstream smart home is convenience. How can a smart home, um, how can it be more convenient for you? And we'll talk about some of the different smart home uh, devices that are out there and how they can make your life both more accessible and more convenient. So the way I kind of want to look at today is I want to talk about sort of if you were going to start this journey today, what steps should you follow? What, should, what do you need to know? What are some of the do's and don'ts? So really the first step in determining uh, how you want to proceed with your smart uh, home is sort of picking a platform to control your smart home. Now, when smart home devices first came out and, and even now, most of them have a specific app for your smartphone, either iPhone or an Android phone that you set up the device with and then you can control that device from a smartphone. And in a lot of ways that's convenient and and it's needed again for the setup process, 
But when I talk about what platform do you want to go with, I'm not really speaking about iPhone versus Android. What I'm really talking about is what smart home platform do you want to move forward with? Rather than using a, a, smart, uh, a smartphone to control your devices, it's much more accessible and much more convenient to use a voice-powered assistant to do all of your smart home control. And so really we have three options we're looking at. And, and you may be familiar with all three, but first you want to decide, do I want to go with the Amazon Echo? Do I want to move forward using the Google Home? Or do I want to use Apple's HomeKit uh, um, smart home using Siri, either through your phone or through using the HomePod minis. So first and foremost, you kind of want to pick which platform do you want to go with. Now, some of those options may already be chosen for you because you may already have a number of Amazon Echoes in your home. You might have a bunch of Google Homes already, or you might have a home, uh, an iPhone and a HomePod uh, mini already. And if you do, then your sort of your question is answered for you. Go with what you already have. All three platforms have positives and negatives. All three will work just fine for what you're doing. Um, so it's not like you need to uh, get rid of what you have, <coughs> excuse me, and start over. But in my opinion, I've tried all three. In my opinion, I have chosen the Amazon Echo as my smart home platform for a couple of reasons. First, I already had a bunch of Amazon Echoes in the house. Number two, it was more accessible working with the Amazon Echo app, in my opinion. Number three, I really liked the routines and automations that Amazon Echo platform provided. And number four, um, all the different skills and uh, almost every smart home device works with Amazon Echo. Typically, if a smart home piece of smart home technology is released, usually the Amazon Echo is the first platform it's going to work with. The Google Home probably comes up on a close second uh, with the uh, devices that it uh, supports, the automations that it provides. And HomeKit, although HomeKit is very good, there is not as many devices that are Apple HomeKit certified that work with Siri and HomeKit. And really the big reason for that is, is that HomeKit is definitely more secure than Amazon Echo and Google Home. Not that the Amazon Echo and Google Home option is, is um, uh, that you're vulnerable and, and you're going to be hacked and this and that. But if you're really security minded and in security and privacy is really important to you, then looking at the Apple HomeKit using Siri is, might be the best option for you. Just be aware though, that uh, you have less devices that you can choose from. Hmm. So now that we've kind of talked about the different platforms, again, I've chosen the Amazon Echo. And again, it doesn't matter as much of which one of the, the three you pick, um, but just be aware that those three are options are out there. I have a question um, about the yeah. uh, about the uh, Amazon side of things. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the Amazon have the Echoes, which are their kind of smart speakers. 
um, that mm-hmm. you're able to to talk to, and they have a number of different uh, models of those. And uh, I think they start around twenty nine dollars or something crazy like that. So um, those yeah, are, are pretty you get for pretty cheap when they're on yeah, sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are pretty uh, cheap to kit your house out with. But if you're outside of your house and you want to, um, you know, change the thermostat or whatever it might be, then I assume mm-hmm. then that you can use um, the app instead on your smartphone in order to control those things without actually having to kind of be in range of a smartphone speaker yeah so a couple things um first yes again each device is going to most likely have its excuse me own app that you could go in and control it with and the accessibility on these on these apps vary some are pretty accessible some are barely accessible whatsoever but the other thing to remember is that your phone has the Amazon uh, Alexa app I'm going to try not to use that word as much as I can for those that have them (laughs) in their homes, but you do have the Amazon A app on your phone that also has uh, Amazon A uh, um, included in it. So you can tap that A button and speak right to your phone and give the same command as if you are at home to control it. So for example, if I wanted to lower my thermostat right now, I could grab my phone and either open my Ecobee app because that's the type of brand thermostat I have and lower it, or I could open up the Amazon A app, tap the little A button and say, you know, turn down thermostat three degrees and it would say, you know, it would do it just as if I was talking to an actual echo in the house. Very cool. And I assume, I assume that that Alexa app is pretty accessible to screen reader users. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, quite accessible. I think out of all, you know, the Google Home app is also quite accessible, but I've had uh, little to no issues with the Amazon A uh, app. Excellent. Now, we do have a, uh, a question in the chat here, which is from Joe Lisa, um, asking how this type of technology can be used in an apartment. And I think as we go through, then you'll start to kind of understand uh, the different exactly. types of things that you're able yep. to do with it. So if you just uh, stay tuned, then Corey will be going through uh, all of those things. You got it. You got it. All right. So we have chosen, we've talked about making sure you choose kind of which platform you want to use. And again, remember, you don't have to choose one of these three because you can use the app that's on your phone. But I do recommend choosing one of those three voice powered assistant options and then um, kind of basing your, your smart home off of which device you've chosen. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about what are some of the smart home devices that are available and, and what can we expect from them. And I have some, uh, some of the different types here that I will show. And um, before we put some of these different ones on camera, I wanna talk about at least one that I don't have here. And I mentioned it earlier, and that's a thermostat. So one of the, one of the, for me, one of the greatest smart home devices has been a smart thermostat. This is just a, a thermostat that replaces the thermostat in your home. It connects to your, uh, your, your Wi-Fi network and then gives you the ability to control it again, either through an app or through a voice-powered assistant. And now this device that typically is quite inaccessible for individuals unless you have one of the older talking uh, thermostats. But now we're able to make this this device that has been inaccessible very accessible. Uh, Some of the things that I can do with my thermostat, now I've chosen the Ecobee 4 uh, thermostat. There's a number of them out there, the Ecobee, Nest, 
Uh, Amazon has some pretty cheap ones that they just released their own. I think for $79, you can get a, um, uh, a smart thermostat. Honeywell has a few uh, models that work well as uh, too. But what, what are some of the things I can do with this thermostat now is I can ask what the current temperature in the home is. I can find out what the thermostat, what the temperature is set to. I can change the, the uh, temperature, so I can either raise it or lower it to a specific uh, temperature. Some of the other things I can do with it is using the uh, Amazon A app, I can create schedules for that, uh, for that thermostat. So at specific times of the day, my thermostat goes to a specific temperature. Now, a lot of the apps support that as well, but what I have found is a lot of times those apps are not very accessible, especially when it comes to the scheduling piece of it. And so I use the Amazon A to do all of my scheduling for the thermostat. So now I'm able to accessibly schedule with, with, you know, what temperature I want the home at what time. And of course, so, if you have mm -hmm. a partner who is working from home and you're going into work, you can uh, mess with them by uh, adjusting the temperature without them realizing <laughs> yeah. that you're doing it. And a lot of the uh, thermostats like the Ecobee, I also have two uh, sensors in my home. I have one in my family room and one in my master bedroom. And what those do is they also tell me the temperature of those specific rooms, but then the thermostat will also look at those sensors and help regulate your uh, heat in your house. So for example, at night, I tell the thermostat to change its uh, temperature down to 67 degrees. But what it'll do though, is it, it won't change, it, it won't use the thermostat's uh, thermometer. Instead, I've told it to use the sensor in my master bedroom, because I have a two-story home, and so, you know, it'll, it'll look at that uh, room and, and it'll change the temperature until that sensor is the right temperature. So another example would be in the summertime, being a two-story house, it's, it, it takes more to cool my master bedroom down. So for example, if I set the temperature at night to 68, um, what ends up happening is that the thermostat on the first floor, it'll actually cool the first floor down to almost 64, 65 degrees so that the master bedroom is 68. So it gives you a little bit more control. We have a question this, in the chapter here um, yeah. uh, uh, with regards to whether the sensors that you're uh, referring to are parts of, are they, are they specific to a brand of thermostats yeah. or are they kind of universal? No, they'll typically be specific to the brand you buy. So if you buy the Ecobee thermostat, then there'll be Ecobee sensors. Mm -hmm. If you buy the Nest thermostat, Nest has their own kind of sensors you can put around the home. So you, if that's something you're interested in when you buy your thermostat, you want to double check that sensors are available. Yeah, Corey, um, am I right in saying that you installed these things yourself? Is that the correct? sensors I do because there's nothing. All you do is just you just put them in the room. There's nothing there. The right. thermostat um, I did do myself with some sighted help. Although I would recommend uh, having you know any any handy person. They, you do not need a uh, uh, heating and cooling HVAC person come in. Okay. Doing a thermostat is actually quite easy. It's basically as simple as just looking at the color wires and matching it on the new thermostat. So anyone yeah, handy yeah. can do it. 
Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it seems a more uh, complicated than it really is. And uh, Douglas also asked whether these uh, sensors that you're referring to, do they connect to the thermostat via Bluetooth or what's the communication method? Uh, Wi-Fi. Okay. Yep, yep. So you can put them anywhere throughout your house. Yeah. So I, I have, you know, I have, like I said, I have one way upstairs on the other side of the house. So yeah, Bluetooth would, would not work, but they do connect via Wi-Fi. So. Excellent. All right, so that's the thermostat. And I just wanted to mention that because I don't have one here. But now we're going to move on to the next um, type of, of smart home uh, technology that a lot of people do, and, and, and that's lighting. And you might say, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, Corey, you're, you're, you don't have a whole lot of vision. Is, is lighting, you know, uh, why are you interested in, in doing any smart home with lighting? Well, first, I do have a, enough vision to see some light, but I also live with three other <laughs> sighted people <laughs> in the home who never turn off the lights. Hmm. Um, and so I have done a lot of work with lighting in the home so that we're at a point now where you pretty much don't even have to turn lights on or off. They'll do things automatically for you. Awesome. Now, when we look at lighting, there are really two different ways that you can incorporate smart lighting into your house. The first method is by utilizing a smart light bulb. Now, what a smart light bulb is, is it looks very similar to just a traditional light bulb. So you would buy a smart light bulb. You would go to in your home to a lamp or to an overhead light, unscrew the current light bulb that's in there screw in the new light bulb and go through the setup process to connect it to your Wi-Fi. Once it's connected, then you have the ability uh, to control that lighting, uh, again, either by through the app or through the voice-powered assistant like the Amazon A. So for example, if you have a lamp in your living room and you call it the living room floor lamp, you can simply say A, turn on living room floor lamp, and then that bulb will turn on automatically and turn off. The pros to using light bulbs is that they're very easy to do. Most individuals are comfortable switching out light bulbs. The cons of doing smart light bulbs though is you still have to remember, in order for you to control that light bulb, power needs to remain constant to that light. So if you, for example, have a uh, overhead light in your bedroom and you unscrew the bulb and screw in this new bulb, but then you go or someone else in your house turns off the light switch, saying A, turn on the light, won't do anything because that light bulb has no power going to it because the light switch has turned the power off. <laughs> so those light bulbs are, are easy and convenient, but you have to remember that power needs to be going to that light, uh, that lamp or to that light fixture at all times in order for you to be able to turn it on or off. Colby, what's your experience with the lifespan of these uh, smart bulbs? Well, they are LED bulbs, so you're ah. gonna get typical lifespan that you would get from most LED bulbs. Excellent. Uh, we do also uh, have a question here in the Q&A. This one is going back to the heating. It's from uh, Gary who asks um, that, well, Gary says that we have three furnaces in our home. 
and asked whether the system that we were talking about before for uh -huh. uh, you know heating and cooling would become complicated. Now, I assume if it's just the one thermostat, I mean, it's going to work in exactly the same way. It doesn't matter how many um, furnaces are there. Is that correct? Yeah, it depends. You know, if, if you've got three furnaces, it, it depends if you've got a single zone system where one thermostat's controlling all three furnaces. Typically, when you have multiple thermos, Typically, when you have multiple furnaces, you have multiple thermostats. Yeah. And in that case, then you would, would need to purchase a, a, a smart thermostat for each. Mm -hmm. But you can globally, these, these, these thermostats know, uh, understand that some people have multi-zone uh, areas. And so you can kind of group them together and still use the single app uh, too. Excellent. Uh, there is a, there's some more questions coming in here as well, Corey. Um, uh, D asks what the price, average, general price of a smart bulb is. Great question. So a smart light bulb can go anywhere <laughs> from ten bucks up to sixty dollars. Some of it will do uh, depend on the brand. Some of it will also be are they light. So for example, the less expensive ones are typically just a white light bulb. Now a lot of times you can uh, control the color temperature, the Kelvin. So it can either be a soft white, which is like a, that little more yellowy, orangey white, or you can bring them up to like a more blue or cool light. And then if you want other bulbs that can do 16 million different co colors, then that's where you're gonna start to see bulbs, you know, 40, $50 a piece. Um, one of the more popular brands that most people are probably aware of are, is the Philips Hue brand. Mm. They've been around for a long time. They're very reliable. They're good bulbs, but man, they are expensive, unfortunately. That's their big downfall is they're quite expensive. I do have a number of Philips Hue bulbs in my home, uh, but I've been trying to move away from those just because there are better priced options out there. Uh, mm. But again, I would look at spending anywhere between $10, $15 up to you know, $40, $60 a bulb. Yeah, and if they're, uh, if they're LED, they should last for yep. you know, a, good, a good length yep. of time for sure. And you want to so check the brightness of those as well too. So mm. not every smart bulb is going to be the same lumens. You know, we want, when you see lumens, you want the higher lumen, the brighter it's going to be. But mm. most of these bulbs, if not all of those bulbs, can also be controlled. The, the brightness can be controlled. So with the Amazon A, you can say set living room lights to 50%, set living room lights to 100%. So you can control uh, how bright. Now, obviously, it can, it can only go so bright, but you can dim it down as well, too. Yeah, so I think that answers a question here from Joe Lisa about... Um, how if you can uh, kind of change the brightness yes yep. you can but you Just would want to you would want to make sure that you buy um, a bulb you know with the with the correct amount of lumens that you want so yeah, you know the different ones will have different maximums yeah. and uh, in in terms of the electricity bill yes i mean the brighter that you have the light the more it will cost but um, those led lights use very little power anyway so i don't think it's really going to be too significant um, yeah. yes and uh, here from uh, from Abby uh, from Abby we have um, a comment I normally use the daylight blue bulbs in the living room uh, connected to the dimmer. Uh, I put one of my A-word bulbs in and uh, says when the slider is being used, increasing or decreasing the amount of light, the smart bulbs does a light show of colors until it gets done being switched. It's a li little gl glitch, but a great way to teach kids colors. Yeah. Uh, and also says also Amazon sometimes throws in a free smart bulb when it sells its own 
product, especially yeah, with the A-word yeah. products. Yep. Yeah, a lot so, of times um, you can get a pick up an echo with a smart bulb, absolutely. Awesome. All right, so we talked about bulbs. Now, the other way we can do lighting is rather than switching out the bulbs, which can get ex very expensive, let's say, for example, you have, you know, in your living room, you have a, a light fixture that has five bulbs in it. You know, that's, that could be anywhere from 50 to $200 to switch out all of those bulbs to smart bulbs. And then you still run the risk of people turning off the light switch on you, which you'll see when we do a visit of my home, I put on some child guards so that there's a couple lights that I use bulbs. So I put on child guards on the light switches so nobody turns them off. But if you don't want to use light switches, then your next option is a device like I have right here. Now, what this is, and hopefully you can see it bring on it, the bring camera. Bring it to your uh, left a little bit, Corey. Yep. What down this a little is, bit. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. What this here is a smart light switch. So what this would replace the light switch that you currently have in your house. And you can see on here, we kind of have four buttons. We have at the top is power on. At the very bottom is power off. And then the two buttons in the middle are your dimmer. So this is a dimmer switch, so I can uh, increase and decrease how bright those bulbs are. And so this would, this would then replace the uh, light switch in your home, allowing you then to, to control all of the bulbs or all of the lights that that light switch controls. Now I wanna flip it to the back here just to show you that switching out light switches is actually quite easy to do. Now, I highly recommend uh, you know, getting an electrician or getting a handy person. Again, you don't even need an electrician as long as you feel confident that the person you're working with is confident switching out light switches. But I've switched out probably at least 15 at this point. And there's really only three wires on the back. There's you know, a red and a black wire and then a ground wire. And it's as simple as just uh, turning off the power uh, in the house so you go down to downstairs to the breaker box, make sure the power is off to that room. I also recommend getting a power tester. I have a little device that you put on the wire and it beeps if there's power. So I, I triple check that. I more I must do it 50 times as I'm working because I just keep getting nervous that the power is going to come on. And then it's simple as just removing the old light switch and then and then twisting the wires together uh, that are coming out of the wall. So now, basically I don't what you're saying, Corey, is if anybody needs their light switches swapping out, <laughs> then you are the, the man. If you're in the Milwaukee area, give me exactly, a call. Yeah. Now, I don't want to um, dive too deep into the different types of uh, of light switches because there are one thing, the two things I want to point out. First, there are light switches that require Wi-Fi and then there are light switches that work needing a hub. So for example, I have a Lutron uh, Quesada is the brand that I use. And this has a hub that I have plugged into my house and it's connected to my Wi-Fi. And then all of these switches throughout my house connect to that hub wirelessly. And uh, the, the upside to that is two. One, they're more reliable and number two, if my, uh, if my internet goes down, my light switches still work uh, throughout the house. Now, if you get a light switch that is Wi-Fi enabled, they will still work you know, by pushing them on and off. They just won't work um, using your, your voice-powered assistant if you don't have the internet, which isn't a big deal. But um, the one thing you'll need to know, though, is typically 
you will see, if you start to look at smart switches, you will see some that say neutral wire required, no neutral wire required. Mm -hmm. Typically houses built uh, 1985 or newer typically have neutral wires run to every outlet. It's typically a white, um, uh, a white wire that's in the light switch box. And so if, if you know, that, that's something you want to have someone check for you before you start buying light switches, or you can specifically buy the ones that say no neutral required, then you don't have to worry about it. So that's just one thing I wanted to mention about uh, you might see neutral and no neutral required. And even if your house is after 1985, I assume you could still uh, you could still put in a switch that doesn't require a neutral wire. Yeah, yeah, like this one I have here, I chose it because it does not require a neutral. So rather than having yeah. to mess around, I just chose this because it's a good brand, it was reliable, and it did not require a neutral wire, so I just didn't even want to bother. Uh, my previous house, I did install a few that did require a neutral wire. That house was built in the 70s, and it did have neutral wire, so it, was, it wasn't a big deal. We have a couple of comments here from YouTube, uh, where we are also streaming live. Um, so JMO2112 uh, says, My home's hardwired light fixtures are already LED, and I can't change the bulbs. Is there a smart switch that can be installed? Now, I think that comment came in before we started talking yeah. about smart switches. Yep. Um, Good call. That's a perfect, yeah. a lot of light, uh, a lot of lights, a lot of ceiling fans yes. uh, will have the built-in LEDs that uh, are not replaceable. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, Steve, uh, Steve actually answered JMO's question saying, yes, Leviton makes great smart switches and also says Cree makes a great RGB bulb around $15. So uh, thank you yep. for the tips there. Yep. Yeah, uh, Leviton's good, Lutron's good, um, TP-Link, Casa has a, a lot of really good smart home switches and things as well, too. Awesome. So, All right, so that's a, a number. Of, now, one other thing to talk about sort of with lighting, it's, it's a similar, is um, let's say you already have a lamp and you don't want to switch out the bulb because either you can't or you don't want to. And you don't really want to switch out the uh, light switch either, because maybe it's an apartment. Although even with apartments, it's very easy to switch in and out switches. But there's also a smart plug. Now, this is just a normal plug that you would plug into any outlet. So you can see on the back here, it has a normal three-prong plug that you would plug into your outlet. And then on the front of the unit, this one has a single plug. And so you would plug your lamp, for example, into here, and now this device will control uh, giving and taking away power from that lamp. So then we can connect it, this would connect to our Wi-Fi, and then we can use A or any other platform and say, you know, A, turn on lamp, and then this device would turn the power on and off in order to control whatever was plugged into it. So it could be a lamp, it could be a, a air conditioner, it could be a coffee maker, um, you know, ba basically anything you want to plug into these. And so this is another way then to control uh, some of these powered devices. Uh, could be, again, could be lighting, might not be, uh, but this is another way of doing it, and this is by using smart outlets or smart plugs. And these, there's a number of different brands. Amazon uh, Alexa has its own. Uh, Amazon Basics have their own. This is a TP-Link Casa one. I mean, there's tons and tons out there. You can spend anywhere from 
$10-$15, you know, again up to $60 on the different uh, plugs out there. Some will have a single, some will have multiple. I have a couple that I use outside that are waterproof that are outdoor related. Those I use those to control my Christmas lights uh, during the cool. Christmas season. So those go on and off automatically for me. So that's another way, another smart device we can use. So using, using those, you're basically turning dumb devices into smart devices yep. by, you know, uh, by using a, using you a got smart it. plug. Yeah, you so that's it. cool. We have a few more comments here. Douglas sure. asks, um, in terms of using the hub with the light switches, um, do those have to be the same brand? Typically, well, that's a great question. <laughs> Typically, yes. Typically, you're going to need the same brand. So, for example, my Lutron Caseta switches you would buy. Uh, you'll find when you when you look, you'll see there's a Lutron Caseta starter pack, which includes the hub and like one switch. Now, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but there are different technologies at home. Uh, smart home uses Zigbee, Z-Wave. These are a little bit more generic, so you can buy a generic Zigbee hub and then buy generic Zigbee um, uh, uh, switches and work. But typically, you're going to want, uh, typically, the hub will be specific to the brand you're buying. All right, and uh, we have some more comments in the YouTube here. Um, Chris uh, John says, in addition to smart bulbs, I also use a smart plug to control some lamps in the house. I think that was put in there just before we started talking about the smart plugs. And uh, Steve, uh, Steve Medor says, I have some wall sconces in my den that have a cord running down to a smart plug. I'm getting ready to have them hardwired and just use smart bulbs. So that's another yeah. thing you could do there as well, uh, get, get some rewiring done. And uh, Jolita asks where we can buy uh, some of these things, I think, specifically with relation to the smart plugs. Sure. I mean, you uh, Amazon, Best Buy, I think even Target and Walmart sell a lot of these things now. Um, I get most of my stuff from Amazon just because, uh, you know, uh, I'm lazy and, and I go through <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> um, just to give you a heads up, Corey, as well, I think we've lost your main video feed. So we, so we can still see the webcam, but unfortunately, we can't see your lovely face anymore. So. Uh, Let's give you a heads up on that. That's that's fine. And and yes, Douglas made a good point too. Just checking the the wattage whenever you do any of this stuff. If you're buying uh, uh, smart bulbs, you know typically you're going to be fine wattage wise. Most lamps will be fine, especially for LEDs. But if you start to use the plugs, uh, just make sure whatever you're plugging into it that the wattage doesn't exceed what the 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 the, the plug can handle as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so I've got a couple more devices here I quickly want to show. Now, these are a little bit different. This starts to get into a little bit more of the smart home. Um, so we talked about lighting, and, and a lot of that's really good. But now there's two other devices that I have throughout my home that allow me to do, uh, allow me to control things. So, for example, this is a motion detector. Um, it's just a round disc and there's a little, uh, a little circle guy here, that's the motion detector. It can either, it's got a magnet on the back, so it can either uh, magnetically stick onto something or you can sticky it onto your wall. And with this, I can then use Amazon A to create automations or routines. Now this is where the power of a smart home really comes into to effect here is when we start we talked about wanting a smart home for, to increase accessibility, but we also talked about the convenience, and that's where automations and routines become very powerful. 
How can we get devices to do things for us to make our lives more uh, convenient? And that's where these next two devices come in. The motion detector, for example, I have a motion detector in my laundry room and I have a routine or an automation setup so that when you walk into that room and the motion sensor detects you, the lights in my laundry room automatically come on. Because a lot of times you're walking into the laundry room with your hands full of a laundry basket or whatever it might be. And then I also have a routine set up that says when this um, motion detector does not detect motion for a specific amount of time, so for example in my laundry room, I have it set up so that if the motion detector does not detect any motion for 10 minutes, then turn off the laundry room lights. So now when I leave the laundry room, I don't have to turn the lights off either because I know after 10 minutes of no motion in that room, it, the motion detector will trigger and send a command to turn off the lights. I have one in my garage, so when you walk into the garage, the garage lights come on automatically. When it doesn't see any motion or detect motion for X amount of minutes, then the lights in the garage shut off. When you come down my main stairs uh, from upstairs at night, the, the motion detector at the bottom of the stairs sees you, and then it turns my kitchen lights on so that when you walk into the kitchen in the middle of the night, you have some light. Now, some of the cool things you can do with these automations, including the motion detector, is not only can I say, hey, when it detects motion, turn my lights on, but I can add what are called arguments. So for example, I can say, hey, when you detect motion only between 5 p.m. and 11 p.m., turn the light on because during the day, you probably don't want your light to turn on every time motion is detected because you don't need light during the day if you have enough sunlight coming through. Or, for example, I have the one at the bottom of my stairs. It says only from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. If you detect motion, turn on the kitchen lights, but only turn them to 30% brightness so that you don't you know, blind yourself. Oh my gosh, it's so bright in the middle of the night when you've <laughs> kind of been sleeping and you're coming down in the dark. So those are some of the arguments, some of that more powerful automation arguments you can add to say, okay, only do it at this time and then do it this brightness as well. All of that sounds uh, sounds amazing. And like you say, it really is uh, kind of unlocking the potential for this mm -hmm. smart home technology. But I do have to ask, um, what does it take to set up that type of thing? I mean, it's, are you going to have to use a smartphone or can yeah, you so using your voice? You're going to need to use a smartphone. Uh, you're going to use the, for example, if you're using, well, you're going to use the smartphone app. If it's the Amazon A app, the Google Home or the Home app on an iPhone, if you're using HomeKit. And you would go in, so for example, for the Amazon A app, you would tap routines, and then you would tap add new, and then it's really simple following instruction that'll say, when this happens, and then it gives you a list of options when, uh, this, when this happens, when a specific time, when I say a specific phrase, when this, you know, you, you tell it when this happens, so for example, when this happens, when motion is detected, 
then do this. And you touch that, and then it gives you a list of these are the things you can do then. Turn this light on to this brightness this time of day. Mm. So it's really easy to do. And I think what we may end up doing is, is releasing a future video, um, 10, 15 minute video on showing how to create Amazon Echo routines because it really sounds more complicated than it really is. So you don't need to be a computer programmer to no, be able gosh, to do no. this stuff, but you do no. need to uh, have some ability to access a smartphone. You will, you will, yep, you will. Now, you know, for some of these things we talked about today, you do need that smartphone to get stuff set up. Now, once it's mm -hmm. set up, you don't really need a smartphone. You could be doing a lot through your Amazon A. But yes, anytime we want to get into these more, a little bit more advanced automations or routines, then that smartphone is going to be uh, 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 important. Now, again, you could have a sighted assistance or another person who's blind or visually impaired who feels more comfortable doing it. They could set it up for you. And then once it's set up, then there's you know not a lot you have to do. Yes, uh, Joe Lisa also asked about uh, whether this type of sensor thing that we're talking about here would uh, work in a closed closet. And yes, I mean, you can get it to work wherever you want. Uh, well, really. and that's so that's the next one I want to show right now here is this now is uh, uh, what I this is called a contact sensor. And there's actually two pieces to this. I'll split them apart here so you can see there's a bigger part and a smaller part. And basically all this is is magnetic. And so what you do, for example, is you put one side on a door, the actual door itself, and one side on the frame right next to each other. So when the door is closed, they're connected to like this. And this closes the circuit. So this sensor right now would say the door is closed. When the door opens, they would split apart, making the door open. And so then you can set up routines based on the status of this contact sensor. So for example, I have uh, down in our, in our home theater I just did, I have a snack cabinet that has a bunch of movie theater, cab, uh, uh, movie theater candy in it. And I have some strip lights that I've put in there that are smart strip lights. And then I put one of these sensors on the door of that cabinet. And so when the cabinet is shut, the lights automatically turn off. When you open the cabinet and the, the contacts split apart, the lights inside the cabinet turn on so you can see in there. And then again, when you close it, the lights turn off. So for example, you know, like you mentioned the closet, you know, this, I, I have, a, um, I have a, 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 another strip light in my closet. And then I have one of these contacts on my closet door. So when I open my closet door, the lights come on. When I close my closet door, the lights turn off. That's so you cool. can do it, you know, and it doesn't have to, you know, one of the things with the Amazon A is it doesn't only have to turn lights on and off. With Amazon A and automations, you could set it up so every time you open up your door, uh, let's say you set up your front door, every time you open it up, your Amazon A could say, hi, welcome back home, we missed you. So you could have <laughs> it play custom messages. I have one on my pantry door because my kids always forget to close the pantry and then the dogs eat the food. So it, it, uh, if, if the pantry is left open for more than five minutes, then a message plays on the Amazon Echoes throughout the entire house. Pantry door is left open, get, close it before the dogs eat the food. So it doesn't have to be just 
uh, for turning lights on and off. You can do a number of other uh, automations with these contact sensors. And you can set multiple things to occur when a specific uh, event happens. So when you yeah. open the front door, you could have like multiple things, lights turning on, messages being played, the oven coming on, yes. uh, coffee being brewed, whatever it yeah, might be. Yeah, exactly. And think from a security standpoint, especially if you're an individual with a visual impairment, you know, you could set it up so anytime your exterior doors are open, message plays on your uh, Amazon Echo saying, you know, front door has opened. Mm -hmm. uh, so now, you know, it gives you a little bit more safety letting you know, uh, you know, when people are coming in and out of your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Douglas uh, put in the in the in the comments here, and I found this interesting. Um, you can also get some uh, wall switches which are sound sensitive. And so you can set them to perform actions when they detect sounds rather than motion. Um, so that's yeah, kind of yeah, mo yeah, a lot, yeah. Some of them have. Um, uh, sorry, I can hear the I can hear the chats coming in too via. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they'll have occup uh, occupancy sensors as well too. Some of them have temperature sensors, so you can start to control things by you know if it becomes uh, this temperature or this humidity in this room mm -hmm. do this action you even can get some of the I, I mentioned i showed that outlet before the smart outlet you can get some smart outlets that allow you to to um, keep an eye on the amount of power that's being drawn and then perform an action on that so for example <laughs> let's say you have your dryer plugged into a smart outlet you can set up an automation that says when this outlet stops drawing power, i.e. your dryer turns off, then alert me on the Amazon Echoes that my dryer is done. Hmm. You know, so you could start to do kind of crazy things like that as well. I need one. Uh, I need a sound sensor that tells me when that says when the cat starts meowing, automatically open some cat food and put it in his bowl. That would be awesome. That's yeah. what I need. I also have a, a I have a vibration sensor uh, attached to my front door. So if someone doesn't ring my smart doorbell, which we didn't even talk about, but we'll demo in two weeks. If you knock on my front door, it triggers the vibration sensor, which Whoa. then sends a message to across all the Amazon Echoes in the oh house saying God. someone's knocking on your front door. This is out of control. Um, and really does, that not, does that not activate it when it's very windy? No, no, because you okay. put it on the inside and you got to, you know, bang, you got to hit the door pretty good. I see, I see. Um, yeah. Avi in the chat here says um, just something to be wary of. Um, so if you're going to set this up for somebody else using your smartphone, um, number one, if something needs to be changed or reset, then obviously, you know, the individual who is uh, who is using these uh, smart devices would have to ask whoever set it up to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, if you set up your a word uh, echo or show um, then you would then have whoever set it up their phone book would be the one that's available on the amazon um, device unless uh, you say no unless you say no to importing contacts yes. which okay, is what we are when we set up for clients who don't have a smartphone we always make sure we put no for that so you don't send over your contacts and uh yeah abby also has a suggestion for our demonstration uh which is uh, a good point here because uh, most of these devices are white oh, and they're not particularly well contrasting I against didn't the even white know, table you know, thank you as somebody who has little to no vision now that you mentioned i'm bringing them up close <laughs> to my face i see that they are white on a white table thank yeah. you for mentioning that i'll make sure we get a black 
some construction paper or something next time. Yeah. I, I appreciate that heads up. All right, we only have a couple of minutes left here, Corey, but do you have anything else uh, to, to talk about here today? So, you know, so I, to recap about smart home technology, I know a lot of this sounds very overwhelming, but also very exciting. And that's, you know, what to remember. Don't, nobody is expecting you, and I, and I sure wouldn't want you to go run out and buy all of this stuff. Start out with, uh, if, 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 if the question is, what, well, where should I start? Well, first, if you don't yet have a voice-powered assistant, an Amazon A, a Google Home, or a HomePod Mini, start there first. Um, in my personal and professional opinion, I lean towards the Amazon uh, Echoes uh, just from um, ease of use and the most compatibility, but all three are good options. Start there first. Get used to using your voice. If you've already got those in place, then the next thing is I recommend picking up either a smart bulb or a smart uh, um, outlet, one of the smart plugs, because those are very easy for you to put in yourself and get used to using your voice to turning things on and off. Turn on your lights, turn off my lights and so forth. That's a good, cheap way to start. That's where I started. Once you start to get comfortable with that and start to say, oh, you know what, I'm gonna expand, I wanna do a little bit more, then start to look at doing some of the light switches or the contact sensors or the motion sensors. Those can all come down the line. I mean, I, you know, I, I've been doing this now for probably close to two years, kind of growing my smart home, learning about it, watching YouTube videos, finding out what apps are accessible and what aren't. So again, this, this isn't going to, uh, you're not going to have this uh, tomorrow. It's not going to be next, uh, you know, next day kind of stuff. Also, if you're interested in smart home stuff, but just say, you know what, I know I have no interest in learning how to do it. I don't feel comfortable. Reach out to someone like, you know, maybe uh, the Geek Squad at Best Buy. They'll come out and do some installation of smart home technology. Reach out to a family or friend who might be good with technology and see if they can help uh, install and put stuff in for you. You'll find that once you start to have some of this stuff, uh, that it is quite uh, fun to do. It, it does think, make things more accessible. The last thing that I've learned, too, is don't do too much. You know, I'm constantly changing a little bit of how the smart home works because when I first started it, I wanted it to do everything. And now as I've been living with it and my family's been living with it, I start to scale things back and realize, okay, it doesn't need to do all of this. Or for example, you know, when I opened up the garage door, I had it set up to turn the kitchen lights on so you would never come home to the dark. Well, that's great, except it would do that then all the time. So if you turn the lights off and then you took the dogs out, then the lights went back on. And, you know, so I realized that all these automations I created, as, as fun as it was, I started to realize that, okay, some of these are just not needed and they become more trouble uh, than they're worth. Right. So in two weeks then, when we come, uh, come uh, on location to my house, I'm gonna give some real world examples of how I'm using this technology. So I wanted to do this session first so that when we go to the house and I say, hey, okay, I've set up a routine. So when I'm in the home theater, if I say watch a movie, these five things happen, you have a better understanding of what devices are being used so that we can focus a little bit more on real world examples rather than trying to explain, okay, this is a contact sensor. And so that's why we've decided to split this into two sessions.
Yeah, so do make sure to join us in two weeks. It's going to be our first on-site Tech Talk Live, and I'm uh, very much looking forward to it. And uh, if you did enjoy hearing about the smart home technology in today's session, then I think you're definitely going to enjoy the show in two weeks where we get to see some of this stuff in action. And uh, personally, I'm just very looking forward to seeing Corey's new basement theater setup. So uh, hopefully uh, I'll get to watch a movie and eat some popcorn while I'm there. We shall see. But uh, we'll see, what yeah. our, see what our boss thinks about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today, both people on Zoom and the people who are joining us on YouTube. We really appreciate you uh, joining us for our session today. And of course, we do have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash in focus technology. That's where you're going to find a bunch of videos, including this uh, episode, Joe Lisa. Yes, this one that was is been live streamed to YouTube and will be available there in the future and also a number of produced videos as well covering different topics as Corey said we will try and get one up on um, some of the apps that you can use for setting up your um, your smart home so uh, make sure to check that out youtube.com forward slash in focus technology thank you all again for joining and we shall see you in two weeks time same place same time look forward to it and well, we'll different place but well, di well, different physical location, but same place, yeah, guys. Me, same same place, same YouTube place. Thanks All for right. joining us, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another Tech Talk Live. If you enjoyed Corey and Luke's antics, join us again in two weeks. To register, visit vision-forward.org slash tech talk live.